Well, good morning, church. Welcome once again to another service, both online and in person. We are beginning a new series uh, on the book of Acts, which we started last week. And last week, we kind of did the uh, prologue, the, the beginning, which, which actually happened in the book of Luke, chapter 24. So we're in this series. It's going to be an extended series in the book of Acts. And it's a story of the Holy Spirit powerfully working as the message of Jesus begins to spread from Jerusalem, where the disciples were gathered, all the way to Rome, where the book of Acts ends. And in the process of this incredible story, people are being awakened by God's power in their lives. They, they are becoming alive. And, and, and to the point where in the world, the world becomes a different place because of the working of God's Spirit in the lives of His disciples. And if I could contend today, we need that same experience in our day and age today where the power of the Holy Spirit is experienced in our lives. Now, last week we discovered in the book of Luke that the book of Luke and Acts are connected. And the things that take place in the book of Acts immediately happen after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these events that we're going to be studying in the book of Acts, please make no mistake about it, they reshape things in the world. The events in the book of Acts caused values in the lives of people to change. It reset the thought processes and the patterns and the life patterns of people. Life in some way was completely disrupted when the Holy Spirit came and settled and empowered people. Life was no longer mundane. And I believe that we in the church can experience and have the same potential of God's working in our lives today. God wants to pour out and empower his people in a way where our lives become powerful testimonies to the world and to our communities around us. As we just read in the book of Acts, in these verses, verses 1 through 11 of Acts chapter 1, there are three very important aspects that I want to address this morning. In this portion of Scripture, three aspects that you need to be aware of in these 11 verses. The first aspect is this, the importance of waiting. In Acts chapter, four, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, notice what the Bible says. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Now, this verse reveals a very important question that perhaps we need to maybe ask or certainly maybe look at because this important question is this. Are there times when the good things that God has planned or promised is found on the other side of a season of waiting? That's the question. In other words, can we see possibilities of something better beyond the current situation in which we find ourselves? Does this happen in the spiritual realm? Certainly, it happens in the natural realm, in creation. You plant a seed. When that seed is put into the ground, it begins to sprout. 
Then a plant develops, and eventually that plant produces fruit. But you have to wait for the fruit. Fruit doesn't happen overnight. There is a process of growth that takes place. I think all of us see the process. We recognize in the planting that there has to be a waiting period. So in reality, if we want to cultivate something of value, it takes time. Anything of value takes time. You have to wait for it. The reason we need to talk about this and the reason I think uh, verse 4 of Acts chapter 1 is talking about this waiting aspect is because today we live in a culture that does not like to wait. We want things instant and instantaneously. For example, there is minute rice. There, there is fast food drive through There are express lanes in the grocery store. We all have credit cards that allow us to instantly buy something on an impulse, on an emotional impulse. And so you literally could describe life as living in a microwave world. But what has happened? But this is what has happened. Because of this instant environment in which we all live in, we have removed the posture of waiting in our lives. If you want to eat an apple today, you don't go out and plant an apple seed and wait for it to grow. No, no, you simply can leave your home or you can leave this sanctuary and you can go to the grocery store and you can buy an apple or however many apples that you want instantaneously. See, what I'm trying to say is this, is that we have eliminated on every level this aspect of waiting in our lives. And what this has done is that it has caused us to seek instant gratification But the other thing that it has caused, it has caused us to lose sight of the fact that good things happen after we wait. You may want to write that down. Good things happen after we wait. I have said, or maybe you have said this before. Certainly I have heard people say this, say a statement like this. It's worth the wait. Good things happen happen to those who wait. I'm sure you are familiar with those kind of comments, or maybe you have even said those kind of statements in your life. But unfortunately, here's the thing. Someone who usually says those words, it's worth the wait or good things come to those who wait, usually somebody who says something like that to us, or we're saying that to somebody, is because they notice or we notice something of an impatient attitude and we're trying to calm a person down. If there's anything that has made us impatient or uncomfortable, it has been this pandemic that we've been in for the past 16 months. And the reason we don't like living in this pandemic is because no one has given us an end date. In other words, there has been no frame, no time frame given to us when it will all be over. And especially now, if you've been watching the news this past week, they're talking about a new variant, a Delta variant, perhaps even a fourth wave. And in the process, you and I, we are hoping 
and we are waiting, we are anticipating an end to this, but there's no guarantee. But what if, what if I told you that on the other side, as part of this pandemic that we are in, what if I told you that there is something good that is going to come out of it? That God is planning, even in the midst of this pandemic that we are in, that on the other side of it, there is something good that is planned. That perhaps God has allowed this pandemic because on the other side of it, there is something better that's going to happen for your family, for you, for our church, for this entire world. And that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Let's read those words again in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Look at these words. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I've told you before. Now, when you look at that verse, Jesus doesn't tell them how long or when it will happen. He simply says to them, Do not leave Jerusalem. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, wait. Now, what were these disciples waiting for? What is the Bible telling us they are to wait for? Notice what he says. Until the Father sends you the gift he promised. The Bible says that they are to wait for a promise. God has made a promise. And God has done the same for you and me. In our lives, God has made a commitment to us. But what God has promised is that on the other side of this period of waiting, of not leaving Jerusalem, there is a gift he has promised. In other words, you have to wait for the promises that God has made. I think This is very important for us to see. It's important for us to get a hold of this because oftentimes in our lives, oftentimes you and I get frustrated with God when things don't happen in the way that we want them to happen and in the time and in the manner that we want them to happen. We get frustrated. But here we have an example of God saying, I have made a promise. I am giving you a promise. There is something good that is coming. And you're just simply going to have to wait for it. Now, if you've heard me say this before, and if I'm repeating myself, I have to reemphasize and reiterate this very important point. And maybe if you've heard me say it before, let me say it again. Can I tell you that God in whatever situation and circumstance that we are in right now, a lot of us call it the pandemic, can I tell you that God right now is still active in the affairs of the world? In spite of all the negativity, despite all the things that you hear in the news cycles, can I remind you that God is still active, that God is still moving? There are dynamic things that are happening even in the middle of this pandemic season that we are in. And we have to believe, as disciples of Jesus, we have to believe that once we come out of it on the other side, 
We're not going to look backwards. We're not going to look back in past history. We need to begin to realize that God has done something significant and powerful, even in the midst of this pandemic, in the lives of people. Outcomes never before imagined as a result of what we are experiencing now will be the result. And so Jesus tells the disciples to wait. And the reason why this waiting is important is that in a period of waiting, there can be an opportunity to reorganize, reprioritize things in our lives, and it eliminates our wants. Oftentimes in our lives, we've become impatient with things, things that don't happen in the manner that we want to, and we certainly don't like waiting we become impatient. For example, when a baby cries, there are wants within that cry of a baby that are not being met. The baby may be hungry and it needs nourishment and so it cries forth. When I have a need, when you have a need, when we want something, when we need something and we want something to happen, there is a tendency in our lives not only to express our frustration, but there is a tendency in our lives to make noise until I get what I want. The squeaky wheel gets attention syndrome oftentimes demonstrates in our lives. And so one of the most important things that we can do during this time as we enter into the way of Jesus, while we know in the back of our minds and while we know by faith in our hearts that God is working, when we enter into the way of Jesus, we have got to come to a place in our lives where our wants and our desires need to be renewed internally and spiritually. So we look back at our text, and we see what the disciples were wrestling with. Look what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 7. We studied a little bit of this, and it's reiterated here from the book of Luke, chapter 24. We looked at it last week, and here it's repeated again in verse 6 and verse 7. So when the apostles, the Bible says, in Acts chapter 1, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He, meaning Jesus, replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Again, as we look at these words, the disciples are still focused on the here and now. And they're asking Jesus a very important question. They're asking Jesus this question. Jesus, will you now restore the kingdom of Israel? Now is the time. We've lived under oppression. We've lived under the dominance of the Roman Empire. Many of our people have been scattered from Israel into all regions of the world. We are an oppressed people. Jesus, the disciples are asking, will you now restore us? So in that question, there is this desire it's a desire to overthrow the oppressors. 
to reverse the situation so that we now can reverse and we will now rule them. So the disciples attach this internal desire that they have to a savior who they think will deliver them. Now, this is very important for us to understand. These words in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 7, are very important for us to understand. Because if you know the story and the history of the nation of Israel, they were constantly under the oppression, oppressive regimes of many nations. It began in Egypt. And God raised up Moses to bring deliverance, and he led the people out, into, out, of the, out of Egypt into the wilderness. And then God raised up Joshua, Yeshua in Hebrew, who took the people out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Now fast forward into the New Testament where John the Baptist is in the wilderness, and then someone appears on the, on the scene, Yeshua. Joshua in English, Yeshua, meaning salvation, the one who brings salvation. And the assumption of the disciples as they're asking this question in verse 6 of Jesus is this. Is this about to happen again? What happened between Moses and Joshua in the promised land? Is Yeshua have, has Yeshua come into this world to bring us now to the promised land? And the conclusion that the disciples make is that Jesus is the second Joshua. And he's going to bring us out of this wilderness. He's going to bring us out of oppression. And he's going to establish a new land in the promised land. Now church... Whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're watching online, church, this is important for us to grasp. Because we as people, we as followers of Christ, we have the same tendency as these disciples. We all have dreams. We have desires, we have goals, we have aspirations, we have expectations that have been birthed within our culture. Maybe through corporate advertisements that you see on television or on the side of the road or through Disney or through movies that you have watched. And we bring these expectations to our Savior Jesus. And rather than allow Jesus to reset our desires, we ask Jesus to take our dreams and our wishes and our expectations and make them a reality. Our hope is, thank you, Jesus, for coming into our life, into my life. Now you're going to make all of my dreams come true. Here's my promised land, Lord. Now, Jesus, take me to the promised land. Take me to all the expectations that I have for my life. And listen, if you believe that Jesus came only to fulfill your dreams, you will not experience the full dynamics of living in the kingdom of God. If your dreams for Jesus are rooted only in your desires to have things done your way, 
you will never experience the things that Jesus has to offer. Jesus, my friends, wants to bring something brand new and entirely different into our lives. And the reason why we are studying the books of Acts is because the book of Acts presents us with a new option for living. It is a new paradigm for living that is available to every believer in Jesus Christ. And it's couched in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the disciples in verse 6 ask this incredible question. Are you going to establish, Jesus, another kingdom? Are you going to make our dreams come true? We have expectations, the disciples are saying. Now, Jesus, you need to fulfill these expectations. And Jesus says this. Did you notice it? He says, that's not for you to know. And then he makes these, this pronouncement in verse 8, a powerful verse. Notice this, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Friends, you need to underline that verse in your Bibles. You need to underscore it because this, by the way, is a very important and radical verse in the book of Acts. Again, the disciples are asking, are you, Jesus, going to establish a new kingdom for Israel? And Jesus is saying, Israel? We're going way beyond Israel. We're going into Judea, we're going past Jerusalem, we're going into Samaria, and we're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, understand this. Understand who Jesus is talking these words to. He's talking to fishermen. He's talking to carpenters and laborers and tax collectors. Jesus is talking to common people, people who didn't travel. And Jesus is telling these people who have never gone on a major trip, he says, I am going to take you on a major trip to places around the globe where you have never imagined you will end up. And he refers to them in this verse as you listen, you will be my witnesses. He refers to these disciples as And that's the second aspect that we want to talk about today. The second aspect is that being a witness of Jesus holds two important connotations. What Jesus is saying to these disciples in verse 8 is that they are going to carry the story of Jesus. They're going to be talking about their experiences with Jesus. They're going to be talking about walking and living with Jesus, the sights and the smells and the sounds and the uh, events of their life of being with Jesus. And he's going to call people into this, they're going to call people into this new way of living. But there's a second thing that these witnesses will contribute. They are also going to be witnesses of a divine presence. In other words, what Jesus is telling them 
is they are going to give room to the presence of God in their life. They are going to give room for the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes into their lives and uses their lives as a stage to make Jesus known to the world. They are going to be turned loose into the world as representatives of Jesus. And what Jesus is saying here is this, that they, the disciples, are going to connect people in the uttermost parts of the world where where people are going to see and witness a new life, a new way of living, a new life pattern, a new community that does life together and loves one another. Witnesses. Witnesses to a vast diversity and a vast group of people from all people groups, from all races around the world, a a diverse group of people yet unified under the name of Jesus. And these witnesses, they will know the power that is unlike any power on earth, a power that's not defined by culture or race, or politics, or position, a power that is not defined by the news media or the narratives of society. No, these will be witnesses living in a kingdom unlike any other kingdom without borders, not bound, not bound by, the, by the restrictions of borders. These people, these witnesses... They will experience freedom like no other freedom, a liberation from their past, no longer walking in the constraints and under the sinful guidance of their sinfulness. No, no, no. They are going to be in the world as power dynamic people, witness unto the Lord in the world, but not of the world. And then Jesus says this in verse 10 and verse 11, the last two verses we're going to look at today. He brings out the third aspect, the third very important aspect. And it's the aspect of watching. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 10 and verse 11. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Friends, the point in these verses is very clear. These disciples are standing with Jesus. Jesus is ascended into heaven, and these disciples are looking into the heavens And there's a concern because Jesus is now absent from them. They are are standing there confused. And the Bible says that all of a sudden the messengers of God came to them in the midst of their confusion. And they're saying something incredibly important. In the middle of their concern, in the middle of their confusion, These angels are saying to the disciples, you need to stop looking into heaven and you need to start focusing your attention outward. There is opportunity ahead of you. 
walk into Jerusalem, follow the mandate of Jesus, and wait for the presence, the coming presence of the Holy Spirit. It's almost as if these disciples are stunned and perplexed at the ascension of Jesus and have totally forgotten the instructions that Jesus gave to them earlier earlier in Acts chapter 1. So these disciples are told by these messengers of heaven, these disciples are told to lean in, to become witnesses, and not simply to stand there watching into the heavens, but to go about and to lean in and do what Jesus requested them to do. That is so apropos for us today as well. Because you see, friends, as humans, as people, even as followers of Jesus, it is easy for us to focus on past monumental events, maybe even historical events. We like to reminisce of what God did in the past, and sometimes we put up plaques or we design a statue or we hold ceremonies to celebrate a major past event while the Spirit of God is calling us. The Spirit of the living God is calling us to move forward Don't look backwards. Don't look up and just stand there doing nothing. But the Spirit of God is calling us to lean in, to move forward. There is a preferred future ahead of us. So let me summarize by saying these words. You may want to write them down. Waiting on Jesus. Waiting on Jesus will eventually turn into walking with Jesus. And walking with Jesus will make us witnesses of Jesus. Certainly, there is a time to wait. There is a time to be nourished. There is a time when we gather and there's a time to worship. But we are waiting so that we can walk. We are waiting so that we can be witnesses in our everyday life. And my friends... As we are followers of Jesus, every moment that he offers to us, every moment that we have on this earth, he is inviting us to engage his presence. He is inviting us to live in the presence of his spirit. We are to press in and to live in this gritty, dark, and desolate world that is filled with so much darkness. He wants our presence to fill and consume our lives so that we can step out into the world, so that we can move forward into the world, so that we can walk into the future because he has promised there are better days ahead. Can you imagine for a moment if all of us in the church, doesn't matter where you are in the world and you're part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, can you imagine if all of us in the church of Jesus Christ lived in such a way that we believed that God has a better future for us? Can you imagine what could transpire in our world if we truly believe that God had something better for us? Yes, we would experience challenges, and yes, opposition would arise absolutely and definitely. Yet we need to be people who embrace the opportunities that God gives us. 
We can't shrink back. We need to move forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be stopped by a pandemic. We cannot be thwarted by those who bring up opposition against us. God has for us, on the other side of this season, He has something better for us. And we need to call upon the Spirit of the living God to once again infuse the church of Jesus Christ. We cannot go back to normal, but we need to move forward and we need to look forward, empowered of the Holy Spirit, allowing our personal lives to be redefined and allowing our personal lives to be infilled with the presence of Jesus again, where our lives are ordered To serve Jesus powerfully. I want you to imagine. Can you just imagine. What could take place. In our community. In our church. Imagine. What could take place. If we all became. Living witnesses. Of the power of Jesus. Can you even imagine. If we became living, powerful witnesses of Christ in our world, how our sphere of influence can impact our neighborhood, our workplaces, the places where we go shopping, where people will see in us the glorious presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, where they would see His life Infusing our life where we truly become true disciples and witnesses of Jesus. But that only happens, friends, if we understand this concept of what it means to be witnesses. If we understand that we can't just stand and look into the heavens waiting for Christ's return. But that we need to wait. We need to wait in the presence of God. Believing that in this season of waiting on the other side. Something good is going to transpire. And then, instead of being spectators, we take this invitation of Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. We take this invitation of Jesus to walk as witnesses in the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may we be inspired, O God, as we study the book of Acts, to the dynamics of your working in our lives. I pray for all of us who watch this program today. May we, this service today, may we, O oh God, understand and comprehend the dynamics of being powerful witnesses for Jesus. The promise, the promise is coming. God, may we all be ready to walk in the fulfillment of your promises in our lives. And so, Lord, we wait. We wait and we pause and we anticipate and we focus on a preferred future that you have for all of us. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, amen and amen, amen. I want to thank you for participating and watching and attending today. We ask you to have a wonderful and safe week as you celebrate Canada Day this week. 
Have a great week. God bless you. And we'll see you next week as we continue in Acts chapter 1. God bless you. Amen.